1: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills.
2: There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
3: In the drawing
4: room, a group of suspects gathered. The detective has solved the mystery. Ladies and gentlemen the butler did it
5: (laughs) you'll never catch me the butler darted to his getaway car but
4: what he didn't know
5: is this is a nissan sales event ad wait what and his car is no match for the detective's nissan rogue or its standard vc turbo engine save on one of your own at the
4: nissan thrill of the drive sales event
1: now get 0% APR financing for 36 months on select models. Availability is limited. For well-qualified buyers, 0% APR financing for 36 months available on new 2023 Altima Rogue and Pathfinder when financed through NMAC. Must take delivery from new dealer stock. 36 months financing at 2778 per month per thousand financed. Actual down payment may vary subject to residency restrictions and NMAC credit approval. Not all buyers qualified. Dealer contribution may affect actual price set by dealer. Contact dealer for details. Offer ends to 2823.
3: You gotta understand something here.
5: Thanksgiving is a time of family and gratitude. But let's face it, sometimes you just want to take out your rifle. I'm Jim DiRigatis
3: of Vocalo.org. And I'm Greg Cotter of the Chicago Tribune. Today we let out our musical frustrations during our Thanksgiving turkey shoot. We're going to name the year's biggest musical disappointments. And we review two new releases by Bruce Springsteen and Sharon Van Etten. That's coming up next on Sound Opinions. You're listening to
5: Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news. That is the fine indie rock group, Clinic, one of the stars of the Domino Records label. Domino, along with the Merge Records label and the Beggars group, that included Matador Records, XL, and 4AD, some of the biggest indie labels in the world today, have all pulled out of the eMusic store. eMusic is an interesting story. Rolling Stone has called it iTunes cooler, cheaper, cousin. A lot of people like to go to eMusic, would pay X amount subscription every month, and be able to download all of the cool indie music they wanted. eMusic, I think, wants to move into the iTunes turf. They have just added 250,000 major label songs from the Universal Music Group, Sony Music Entertainment, and the Warner Music Group. It seems as if this was not sitting well with the indie labels. Matador, part of the beggars group that pulled out, said, as E-Music has brought more major labels into the fold, they've changed the terms on which they deal with labels. We found that impossible to accept in our own interests, those of our artists, and those of our fans. E-Music is saying, hey, things change, businesses get bigger in the statement that they released they said in the process of expanding our catalog and making the changes necessary to serve our members and ensure the long-term sustainability of our business a few labels have chosen to exclude themselves they're still hoping to get those indie labels back the question i think is what the indie labels can do on their own will they form some sort of a consortium to sell their music online easily and effectively as itunes or emusic did uh, will they go with a different company? What's the next step?
1: Hey, pretty baby, are you ready for me? Yeah, it's your good rockin' daddy down from Tennessee. I'm just that off about the San Antonio with a radio blasting and the bird doggone. The travel, my head my town, all over no local gonna shut the down. Me and my boys got this rigging round And we'll come a thousand miles from a guitar
4: town
3: That is Steve Earle with Guitar Town taking a tour through the South and some of the bigger music cities, including Austin, Texas. And Steve knows what he's talking about, because Austin, Texas has uh, long been billed as one of the great places to play music in the world. In fact, it bills itself as the live music capital of the world. Well, a recent study by a music and technology company called Songkick confirms that feeling. Songkick says that Austin is the best live music city in North America. In a recent survey of concert data from 1.8 million shows around the country... Austin places at the very top of that poll, and the rest of the top ten, interesting cities making that top ten, maybe some that you didn't think might be there, to the exclusion of some of the bigger U.S. cities. Austin at number one, Madison, Wisconsin, number two, New Orleans at three, Las Vegas at number four, Denver at five, Milwaukee at six, the Twin Cities in Minnesota at number seven, Seattle at number eight, and Portland, nine, Nashville, Tennessee, number ten. You know, one of the things they looked at,
5: Greg, was the average ticket price. And in that regard, it's the bottom of the list that fares better. Portland had the lowest average ticket price, $10.33. The Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul, $11.36. Seattle, $11.75. You know, that factored in, it's not exactly clear how much they weighted that. We're all in favor of low ticket prices. The less you have to pay, the more you can go out, the more music you see. Places like Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, there's a heck of a lot of music here. The prices are higher. But, of course, people pay more for everything here, yeah. you know, from rent to groceries, and they make a little more. So I don't know, you know, how, how fair that is in the equation.
3: Well, although this analysis did uh, look into the cost factors, Jim, the most important factor in determining the top ten was the live rock shows per capita. And in that regard, you could see where Austin would figure out to be number one. But everyone has a different criterion for determining what makes a great rock city. Tell us yours. Give us a call at 888-859-1800. listening to Sound Opinions, and it is Thanksgiving season, which means it's time for our annual turkey shoot, Jim. You know, every year there's a bunch of albums that come out. They're bad. Ninety percent of the stuff that does get released is mediocre or worse, and it doesn't really surprise us. What we're focusing on here are albums that genuinely disappointed us, albums that we had high hopes for, that we thought were going to be good. There was a lot of hype coming up, or at least we thought there was a lot of hype. We were looking forward to their release, and then we put them on, and we go, oh, my God. What happened? You know, Greg, it's like being spurned by a lover. You know, you're, you're in this
5: relationship with an artist. You're hoping for great things. They've given you wonderful things in the past. And instead, bam, it just lets you down. First on my list is is a classic example of this. I love Tom Petty. I know you do, too. I had high expectations for his first album in eight years with his longtime backing group, The Heartbreakers, who, I, you know, I will defend them as one of the greatest backing bands in rock history. Petty is is on a short list of those baby boom era classic rock heroes who continually pushes himself. He doesn't phone it in. He doesn't rest on his laurels. He breaks new ground and gives us classic song after classic song. I don't know what happened this time out, though. He wanted to make a record focusing on the Heartbreakers, that interactivity with the band, the back and forth, the fluidity. And instead, it's just a meandering, sleepy, snoozed out jam record. I don't know what happened here. You know, these blues grooves are not very original. The songwriting's not there. The melody, the lyrical power Petty can give us. You know, when he's angry, taking shots at the status quo, it can be great. Here, it just sounds like he sleptwalked through everything. This is our turkey shoot show. We're highlighting, if you can call it that, records that let us down. We don't want to torture you folks at home. We don't want to hurt your digestion after that big dinner. But we'll give you just a short sample to illustrate what we're talking about. Tell me this song is any good. Jefferson, Jericho Blues from Tom Petty's Mojo. Well,
4: boy, Tom Jefferson, love the little maid out there.
3: That's a little bit of one of Jim DeRigatis' turkeys of the year on Sound Opinion's Tom Petty's Mojo, an album that I actually kind of liked. I didn't think it was his greatest effort, but I certainly didn't think it was a turkey. But you know what, that's the beauty of a show like this. We We have different standards and we do diverge when it comes to picking some of our worst albums of the year. Jim, here's one I think we both can agree on the new Kings of Leon record. And the reason it makes my list is that I had much higher expectations for this band than you did. I, I particularly loved their first couple of records. I go back to the early 2000s and a song like Molly's Chambers, and I think, you know, this band had a lot of potential to be one of the great new rock bands of the new century.
4: That she could bleed, that's why she'll never stay A wife, and naked in the night And looking for some play Just another girl that wants to rule the world At any time or place And when she gets into your head You know she's there to stay
3: that combination of that New York City propulsion that the Strokes were were breaking through with around that time, combined with that Southern Holy Roller boogie that they were bringing into it. You know, they toured the South famously with their preacher father, and they brought some of that gospel revival feel to those early songs. I thought it was a great combination of dirty blues and, and straight-up rock and roll, but with each subsequent album, they seem to have lost some of that mojo, to borrow Tom Petty's uh, phrase. With this latest album, Come Around Sundown, it's like they decided to make a bad Coldplay record, which is not a good thing. (laughs) You know, forget about the U2 comparisons, all that atmosphere and grandiosity. It's sort of like imitation U2 imitating Coldplay. It doesn't ring any of the old bells that they used to. The rock is gone. The sexiness is gone. It's all about atmosphere and brooding, mumbled vocals. I don't see this as a rock band anymore. It seems like they feel the weight of the world upon their shoulders with every note they play, and they've lost that joy that they once had that, that, that made them so special. Here's a little bit of Come Around Sundown from Kings of Leon on Sound Opinions.
5: That is a short, bitter taste of Come Around Sundown by Kings of Leon. Mr. Cott could not agree with you more. That album stinks. <laughs> no two ways about it. This one, I know we're going to have a parting of the ways on, though. People ask often, you know, do you guys influence each other? Are you pals? Do you compare notes? And we don't, not until we get in front of these microphones. You were hyping the heck out of a band called Sleigh Bells. It's a duo, producer Derek Miller and vocalist Alexis Krauss. one of the big, Indie underground buzz groups of the year with their debut album, Treats. People were loving this. Brought to you by MIA's boutique label. Boy, this is just supposed to be great. It's melodic and it's noise. Well, I agree with the noise part. And I gotta say, I love noise. I love big walls of feedback and fuzz and distortion. People were making this sound like the Jesus and Mary chain. Wonderful pop songs buried under all that noise. What I got was noise with nothing but more noise buried under it. I don't hear the pop songs people love. What's more, I don't even like the noise. I mean, there's good noise and there's bad noise. This is like the digital clipping annoying noise, not that fuzzy, grungy, nasty, real guitar noise. I don't get the appeal of this record. I really don't. I'm sorry. Sleigh bells from their album Treats. Here they are.
3: sleigh bells on sound opinions one of jim de turkeys of the year jim i couldn't disagree with you more i knew you'd say that i thought that'd be right up your alley and listening to that again i'm thinking man this, this sounds great it, it gave me an energy rush all summer long putting this on driving around in my car what's wrong with this record
5: i don't know people just heard it i'm <laughs> sure they can make up their own mind
3: well, I will disagree with you. I think strongly, your ears are going over you've been to too many concerts and you're starting to hear things that aren't really there. Give me that rush, give me the and those melodies are there, man. You gotta you gotta listen to this. I don't know what kind of a system you were listening to it on, but the melodies are there combined with that noise. It's you know, I'm not saying this group is going to make ten great records, but for the summer of two thousand and ten this record really got me through.
4: Temperature's rising child, can't see no the sky, my feet are so heavy, so is my head,
2: I wish I was a junkie,
4: I wish I was
3: Coming up, we're going to continue taking out this year's biggest musical turkeys, and we're going to hand the rifle over to you. And later on, Jim and I are going to review the new Bruce Springsteen album, The Promise, and the latest from singer-songwriter Sharon Van Etten. That's in a minute on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
4: Leave me alone
5: Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and we are, in honor of the season, shooting some turkeys. Our annual Thanksgiving time turkey shoot show is not just about dumping on albums that were bad. No, 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 no. These have to be albums that we had every expectation of being very, very good, but it turned out to be very, very disappointing. We're going to let some listeners in now on the turkey shooting fun. First up is Kyle in Minneapolis. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Jim. So, Kyle, what is your most disappointing album?
6: My selection is Joanna Newsom's Have One on Me.
5: Okay, that got a lot of praise in uh, in indie rock circles. A lot of critics were falling all over it. Why are you calling it a turkey worthy of being shot down?
6: Well, there's a number of reasons. I suppose the first one being it's uh, 124 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. And that's kind of ironic since I am a progressive rock nerd, but... I don't necessarily love her vocal style, although they said that she kind of changed with a mousy style vocals from her last record, weren't there, but I still heard it. Mm. <laughs> it put me to sleep. It's a snoozer. I
2: found a little plot of land in the garden. Stay the thing The whole place Had just cleared Right out Here was hard In hell So I lay me By the spring forest bed let me as A trout
3: Kyle, I think the, uh, the buzzword for this one is patience You've really got to have a lot of patience And apparently you just ran out After a while <laughs>
6: Maybe patience is part of it, but uh, being someone who likes the topographic oceans and (laughs) it doesn't flow to me, I just, and a lot of the ideas seem the same.
2: is as hard as a wandering sun. But I will want for nothing more in my garden. Start again in my heart and into every heart but one.
3: Thanks, Kyle. Thanks.
2: Meet me in the garden of the Eden. Bring a friend, we are gonna have
3: ourselves a time. Jim, let's talk to another caller who's gonna give us their favorite turkey of the year. That's Lynn from Alpharetta, Georgia. Lynn, welcome to Sound Opinions. Hi. Tell us what your turkey of the year is.
0: Um, it is Katy Perry Teenage Dream.
3: Ooh, okay. Now, I don't think you're going to get a lot of disagreement from Jim and I, but what was it? We're sort of setting this up with the idea that you had higher expectations for this record, and it somehow disappointed you. Was that the case?
0: Um, Yes. I mean, I didn't expect it to be a masterpiece, but I thought it was going to be kind of catchy pop, a bit manufactured. But, um, you know, there was that hit, California Girls. My daughter really liked it.
3: And what did you get?
0: Well, there was two songs from the radio that were kind of catchy, but the rest of the album was not catchy at all
5: (laughs) so it didn't have the hooks did the kind of hyper sexual content of some of it bother you at all
0: oh yes that's what made it really bad which really put it from eh to wow this is the worst the lyrics were just awful It makes me wince hearing the words. And my daughter listening to it, ah. Uh, um.
5: <laughs> yeah, how old is she?
0: Well, she's only in grade school, so luckily it goes over her head.
3: <laughs> oh, so she, but is she a fan? Is she liking this music?
0: Yeah, I mean, she plays it in her room on a CD player, and she really likes it. Although she does say she doesn't like the songs that have, you know, swear words in it.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, I've had this argument with my two daughters. I've got teenagers, and they're both saying, well, you were really wrong about the Katy Perry, Dad. Look, this is a huge record. Everybody loves it. It seems to be one of those records that, despite what the critics have said about it, people are loving and buying. They seem to disagree with us, Lynn. I don't understand it. That would be a first. (laughs) I don't understand that at all.
5: Uh,
0: yeah, she's, she knows that I'm talking to you guys, and she's mad about it.
5: <laughs> so, well, I would say to her, no, you know, stick by your guns. I mean, we don't ever want to change somebody's mind. We just want to get the conversation rolling.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: Cool. Well, thanks, Lynn. We appreciate you coming on the show. No problem. Jim, we've got one final listener to give us a nomination. Corey is on the line. Hi, Corey. You're on Sound Opinions. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Very good. Corey, you're from Adel, Iowa. What is the turkey in Adel, Iowa this year? Well, you know, I'm going to have to call out
7: a producer, actually, Mr. Rick Rubin, who kind of spearheaded Johnny Cash's most recent record, American Recording 6, Ain't No Grave. Mm Mm-hmm. I was uh, pretty disappointed all the way around with that record. I uh, just didn't feel like it kind of honored Johnny Cash for his legacy. I felt Ruben kind of overproduced the whole thing, you know, starting right at the top track with the title track, Ain't No Grave. It had those weird chains and marching sounds on it and just kind of went downhill from there. There ain't
1: no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down body down when i hear that trumpet sound i'm gonna rise right out of the ground ain't no gray can hold my body down
5: cory i'm gonna thank you for vindicating me because mr Cott, when the two of us reviewed that record was beating me upside the head you know what are you a heathen Are you really dumping on
3: Johnny Cash? You're a grave robber. You're desecrating the... You know, uh, thank you. I I thought Johnny deserved better. As usual, Mr. DeRogatis is uh, exaggerating only slightly. But, Corey, I'm curious. Are you a fan of the earlier Rubin recordings with Cash?
7: I am. I really felt uh, one through four were amazing. You know, when you look at songs like uh, Hurt, the Nine Inch Nails cover on uh, American Recordings 4, it's simple, it's stripped down, it's passionate.
1: I hurt myself
7: today, to
1: see if I still feel, I focus
7: on the pain, the only thing that's real. I wasn't feeling the same thing from these recordings. These kind of felt like cast-offs. And, you know, when you look at cash at that time, it kind of makes sense. But I think there could have been better choices made on the album. Well,
5: it's important to remember this was stuff that was left on the cutting room floor. Sometimes there's a reason stuff stays
3: on the cutting room floor. Absolutely. Corey, thanks for that contribution to our turkey shoot. Have a good Thanksgiving. You too, bet.
1: What have
3: I become
1: My sweetest friend Everyone I know
3: goes away in the air You're listening to Sound Opinions, and Jim DeRogatis and I have a couple of more Turkey Shoot nominations of our own. This next one, Jim, really pains me because she is one of my favorite artists of recent years. She's had a long and storied career as sort of an underground soul singer from the last four or five decades and came to prominence in the last few years with a string of very fine albums, all of which i've enjoyed which uh... makes this latest release all the more painful to listen to for me it's by betty levette interpretations the british rock songbook this album sort of got going when she covered a classic who song love rain or me on the nationally televised kennedy center honors program earlier this year That performance is included on the CD, and while that performance got a lot of people talking, she used a similar approach to virtually every other classic rock song that she performed on this record. You know, Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here, Elton John's Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, the Moody Blues' Nights in White Satin. It's all done in this kind of slow burn, wrenching style where she sort of turns the syllables into Silly Putty and stretches them out and kind of obscures the original melody all in favor of, you know, some heavy-duty interpretation. I'm all in favor of improvisation and doing a little bit of a jazz thing over the top, but I think she takes it way too far, to the point where you can't even recognize these original songs.
1: Oh, baby, do you understand me now? Sometimes I get a little mad, but don't you know? things go wrong, I might act bad. I'm just somebody whose intentions are good. Oh, I don't
3: Betty is a terrific singer, but in this case, I think she should have been reined in just a little bit and stuck to what made those original songs so great. And one of the things that made them so great were those great melodies. You just don't hear them here. So for that reason alone, I find this album is a real chore to listen to and a real disappointment from Betty Lovett. I'm sure she's going to turn it all around on this next record. But for now, Interpretations, the British rock songbook is one of my turkeys of the year.
1: intentions are good oh lord please don't let me be misunderstood now
3: that's a little bit of Betty Lovett's interpretations the British rock songbook one of my turkeys of the year much to my chagrin and now we come to the biggest turkeys of the year Jim what's your choice Greg, I got to go with the recent
5: album, Bionic, from Christina Aguilera. Some people may scoff. They say, wait a minute. How could you have expected anything good from her to begin with? I was going to say, with? were, now, you, were
3: I, you a big, you were
5: expecting great things from Christina Aguilera on this record? I, I've had my moments with Christina. I really have. Yeah. I got to say, alone of that late 90s class of teen superstar pop phenoms, whether male or female, Christina had the most vocal talent i think her entire career she has willingly been manipulated by the pop hit factory and foisted into roles that didn't always suit her not as bad as britney spears but almost right i think with her last record the kind of jazz cabaret detour of back to basics you were starting to see her figuring out what do i really want to do for myself that didn't sell as well as some of the others okay so now despite being a 26 year old mom she willingly goes back to the pop machinery an album called bionic in which she is basically a sex doll robot crass sexuality over these retread wannabe lady gaga electro pop grooves And that vocal instrument wasted. Wasted to the point of sometimes they're even putting it through a vocoder. Hmm. The woman in pop music right now who least needs to alter her vocals because she actually can sing is willingly becoming a machine. And it's just disappointing to me. I I was hoping that she would be better than that. Take a listen to what I mean. Here's Christina Aguilera from Bionic.
4: I'm not a character, I'm in
2: rare form. And if you really don't mean you know it's not the norm. Cause I'm doing things that I do need-
5: Oh, boy. Christina Aguilera from Bionic, a real turkey of an album. The only question, Mr. Cott, I think is, is it as big a turkey as the burlesque movie? Thankfully, we don't have to deal with movies here. We're just doing
3: music, and you have your final and biggest turkey of the year for us. Jim, I know this one's going to hurt because I know you love this artist, and I know you love this album. We reviewed it several months ago, and you were loving it. And a part of the reason, I think, was because the anticipation... For this record had been growing for so long it has been a decade since we've heard from peter gabriel one of the founding members of genesis who has gone on to a long and storied and terrific generally solo career then he comes out earlier this year with scratch my back a record that he's been working on for quite a while much like the betty levette mold it is an album of covers by some of his favorite artists including david bowie neil young radiohead etc And, wow, that sounded fantastic. What is Gabriel going to do with these songs? Well, what he does is basically strip away all the rhythmic drive, all the dynamic surprise, all the harmonic and textural variety, all the melody, and puts that wan, melancholy voice behind these sumptuous orchestral backdrops and makes one of the dullest albums of his career. I,
4: I, wish I could swim Like dolphins, like dolphins can swim. Though nothing will keep us together, we can be them forever and ever. How we can be heroes just for one day. How we can be heroes
3: just
4: for one day.
3: I could not be more disappointed with Peter Gabriel. I think it is the true stinker of his entire solo career. And as I said, it pains me to say that because I love this guy's work up till now. But Scratch My Back is certainly one of the biggest disappointments of the year, my biggest disappointment of the year, without a doubt.
4: Though nothing will drive us away Are we how we can be us just for one day.
5: That is Peter Gabriel covering David Bowie's Heroes. Mr. Cott's biggest turkey of the year. I gave it a buy-it when we reviewed it. And I will say, listeners at home, you tell me whether you'd rather listen to that Peter Gabriel song or the sleigh bells that Cott championed earlier. I don't know. One man's turkey is another man's treasure. But if you would like to share your musical turkey or comment on anything in the rock universe, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. You can also email interact at soundopinions.org or connect to us on Facebook or Twitter. Greg and I will be back after a short break on Sound Opinions from WPEZ Chicago and PRX with what we hope are not turkeys, the new reviews of new releases by Bruce Springsteen and Sharon Van Etten. sound opinions, I'm Jim DeRogatis, my partner is Greg Cott, and that of course is the boss, Bruce Springsteen with Because the Night from this new double CD The Promise, the darkness on the edge of town story. Part of a uh, slew, Greg, of product from the Springsteen camp. You can buy this any number of ways. You can buy the two CD The Promise package, and I'll explain what that is in a minute. You can buy the grand package of three CDs and a DVD and bonus material. What's going on here? Springsteen? ...made his major breakthrough after several albums with his E Street band in the early 70s with 1975's Born to Run. There was some pressure. How was he going to follow that up? There was a lawsuit. There was a manager who wanted to stop him from making money without including this manager. For a long period, Springsteen was unable to record when the legal problems finally are cleared up he gets in the studio with one jimmy iovine who would become and still is the head of the universal music group now the interscope records man who put gangster rap on the map when he finally got in the studio they recorded it all they kept recording forever there were tons and tons and tons of material but what became the darkness on the edge of town record was actually culled from all of these songs and winnowed down. They were trying to create a mood record. Born to Run had been big. It had been bombastic. It was about escape and freedom. Darkness on the Edge of Town is about being stuck in a particular place and time, which Springsteen was at that moment. Said the boss, Darkness was my samurai record, stripped to the frame and ready to rumble. But the music that got left behind was substantial. Now, here is a big heaping pile of that substantial left-behind music. As I said, being served up in a number of ways, we're going to review The Promise, the two-CD set of outtakes, the stuff that didn't make Darkness on the Edge of Town, and we're going to start by playing you a tune called Outside Looking In by Bruce Springsteen on Sound Opinions.
4: It's all over now the find we have
3: Outside looking in from Bruce Springsteen's new double CD, The Promise, uh, culled from those massive sessions, as Jim outlined, from The Darkness on the Edge of Town in 77-78. An alternative album, if you will, to what Darkness actually was. Darkness was that lean, mean record that uh, Springsteen culled from those sessions, a very dark record, based around Springsteen's guitar playing. All of these other songs fit more in the mold of Born to Run. There was definitely that element of romanticism and escapism that you referenced that Born to Run held dear. Some of that uh, filtered into these sessions. What I find interesting about them is that whereas Born to Run was this very sculptured, monumental type of record, these tracks are much more raw and stripped down. You can hear on that track that we just played, they were channeling a little bit of uh, Buddy Holly, and Springsteen was clearly referencing a lot of his heroes, when he was making these tracks, everything from Dion Eero doo to Roy Orbison, did a little bit of Elvis Presley and Rockabilly, but at the same time filtering through this band that had been on the road with him for three years. I mean, they couldn't release records, as he said, Jim, but they were on the road steadily, and they had evolved into a really hard-rocking little band, E Street Band. It really came into its own in that period of 77, 78, 79. This alternative album that was created, these 21 songs that surface on The Promise— I think it is a very worthy addition to the Springsteen canon. More romantic sweep, but a little dirtier sound. I love that combination. This is a buy-it record all the way for me. Well, Greg, I knew
5: you'd say that, and you know what I'm going to say next. People who've listened to this show Mm -hmm. in the past who have a history with sound opinions know I am no fan of Bruce Springsteen. In fact, I will say he is the most overrated of anyone in the major canon of rock superstars. He is my least favorite Baby Boom era hero. Why? Because he's an unrepentant cheese dog. (laughs) He's schmaltzy. The romanticism, the rose-colored view of the world, even when he's talking about things that are kind of ugly and dark. But these songs aren't rose-colored, that's the I'm thing. I'm not done. I'm not done with my ring. <laughs> that having been said, Darkness on the Edge of Town is one of my favorite Springsteen albums. I like Nebraska, too. I like the, the stripped-down boss. I like him in dark, introspective mode. And Candy's Room, which is on the original Darkness on the Edge of Town, is the best song he's ever done. Now going back and releasing all this other material you realize how much of an exception <laughs> Darkness on the Edge of Town was. It was like the one time he's tamping down his over the top gospel preacher love the world, you know, music will save you, save your soul kind of nonsense. Put this in context with the other bands of the time. The Ramones, the Clash, the Sex Pistols, you know? This guy is just so cheesy. He's just a oh, ham know? This
3: would be the Ramones would have loved this record that he no, made. No no no, 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 no. Absolutely.
5: Absolutely not. And, uh, compare Rocket to Russia with this record. Please, come on. You yes, know, do that. And I would say it holds up pretty well. I don't I agree not agree. And at I all. love them both. I don't agree. I don't need more of this, especially when what it really is is more of Born to Run. It's not of a piece with the best, darkest moments on Darkness on the Edge of Town. There's too much Clarence Clemens. One of the nice things <laughs> about Darkness on the Edge of Town is they way dialed back the Clarence Clemens, who is the worst saxophonist in the history of rock. Oh, okay? man. And, and, and now he's back. and You're it's so uh, wrong. Nobody needs that this nobody if you are infected by the cult of springsteen you will buy you will have already bought six copies okay and if you're not like me you will say trash it and that is what i must say to the boss trash this record
3: This is Sharon Van Etten with a track called Save Yourself from her second album, Epic, on Sound Opinions. Sharon Van Etten, a songwriter who grew up in uh, the home state of Jim DeRogatis and Bruce Springsteen, New Jersey, moved out to uh, Tennessee in 1999 to attend college. There, she forged a relationship with a young man that went on to influence much of her later career as a songwriter. She was writing music down there in Tennessee, but never really got a chance to play out. Her boyfriend frowned upon her musical aspirations. Uh, Once she broke up with him, moved back with her parents in 2005, started writing these songs about this relationship. And they formed the core of her first album, a singer-songwriter bedroom-style recording very emotionally naked, got some great notices in the underground press, got noticed by some prominent people in the area, including Kit Malone of uh, TV on the Radio, who encouraged Sharon Van Etten to get out there and play a little bit more. Well, she ended up living in Brooklyn, started playing more dates, was one of the performers on the Pitchfork Music Festival last summer. Her second album, much anticipated, it's finally out, epic with a lowercase e, a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek reference to the fact that it's a little bit more orchestrated than those very stripped-down earlier recordings. We're going to review it in a minute, but let's play a track from it first. It's called Don't Do It from Sharon Van Etten on Sound Opinions.
4: Said you need to do it as you can. I
5: That is Don't Do It by Sharon Van Etten from her second album, Epic. I love that song. In fact, I love all seven of the songs. This is not a long album, not a lot of stuff in her closet like in Bruce Springsteen's. And when you say it's more orchestrated, i got to point out that's kind of relative. Yeah. Um, there are songs here where all you get is her voice, a little bit of a bass drum, and a mellotron. It's all about that voice, and it succeeds for the simple reason that outside of Nico Case, I don't think there's anybody in indie rock in the last 10 or 15 years who has been able to sing as well as Sharon Van Etten. That's number one. Number two, the other artist I want to compare her to is Kristen Hirsch of Throwing Muses. Kristen Hirsch always had a really unique sometimes unsettling, sometimes empowering view of sexuality. And so does Van Etten. She is partly victim. She is partly aggressor. She's got a lot of issues she's working out. It comes out in a fairly direct rush of emotions, and it's hard not to get swept up in that. I think on the buy it, burn it, trash it scale, i got to say this is a buy
3: it record. Well, I love, love this record too, Jim. One of the key moments for me was at that Pitchfork Festival last summer where she uh, found herself on this big stage all by herself and then she looks over to her right and there's a huge image of herself on the video screen next to the stage and she looks at it, and she goes, there's a bigger version of me over there. And I, and I almost feel like that was kind of a poignant comment. Yeah, uh, see, I, see, I'm loving this record
5: despite hating that performance <laughs> last
3: year. I'm a big enough man to admit when I'm wrong. Well, I heard those songs there, and, and what she did with just that guitar and voice, that sort of hypnotic texture that she developed around those songs and that voice, really won me over, and I really anticipated this album. I am thrilled to find out that it more than lived up to its promise. The first album was very victim-oriented. It was about recovering from this relationship. This one, she's moving on. The confidence in the songwriting, the confidence in the voice, the bigger breath in these arrangements. This is an album that I can't get enough of. It's one of my favorites of the year, and so buy it all the way from me.
5: So that's an enthusiastic
3: double buy it for Sharon Van Etten. What do we have on the show next week, Greg? next week james something we are both looking forward to a career spanning interview with james murphy of lcd sound system
5: greg as always we have some thank yous to say on the way out and this being thanksgiving we want to give a special shout out for all the advice he's given us to uh, wbez steve edwards if i were to describe members of the sound opinions team as elements in the thanksgiving dinner he would be the gravy our intern julia mullen gordon she's the cranberry sauce Our producer, Jason Saldana, he would be the stuffing. Our other producer, Robin Lynn, she'd be the pumpkin pie. And of course, our executive producer, our fearless leader, Tori, Southside Malatia. You think I'm going to say he's the turkey, but no, he's the Brussels sprouts. Bus, bus, line is busy every time
4: that I phone.
3: Sound opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say.
2: Can
6: it be true that it is I can believe it. I say hello? New messages. Hi, Jim and Greg. My name is Brian Hussar. I'm calling from Phoenix, Arizona. I'm just commenting on your news item about the Beatles on iTunes. While I I don't really care about the Beatles on iTunes because I bought the 2009 remasters last year, and I prefer owning the actual physical product, I just kind of find it amazing that you guys keep on saying that the Beatles are making fans pay for this stuff yet again. The Beatles CDs came out in 1987, and until last year, those were the only CDs available, not counting the, the vinyl copies. I guess it sort of irks me that other artists have done this more times than the Beatles have, and yet you make no comment on that. Every time the Rolling Stones switch labels for their 70s catalogs, they take them with them. For example, the Stones' 70s catalog, when they went to CBS, when CDs first came out, they were on CBS. Then in the 90s, they signed with Virgin, so you had to buy another remastered copy uh, yet again of Exile on Main Street. Actually, two, because there was a collector's edition that had a reproduction of the vinyl artwork and a regular CD. So that's now three new reissues of Exile on Main Street. There have been no comments about that or the umpteen reissues of pet sounds that have been out there anyways i still love your show i still like you guys that's just my opinion on why there seems to be a double standard with the beatles thank you very much
7: hi jim and greg this is tim from winona minnesota just got done listening to the rock doctors episode Enjoyed the two things you had to offer there then you got to the Brian Eno record review, and I heard you talk about ambient music. And I thought to myself, wow, ambient music, something that you listen to in the background and not realize it's there. It kind of made me think, how do you even review a record like that? Don't you just start listening to it and then kind of forget it's there and then have to start over again? That got me on to thinking, well, how is that even rock and roll? It's elevator music for the most part. Thanks, guys. ¶¶
6: Hey, Jim and Greg, this is Kenny from Palm Desert, California. I just got done listening to your latest podcast with the review of the Brian Eno. And there's another Chicago-based podcast called Film Spotting, and they have a pantheon of films that when they find themselves discussing, discussing the same film over and over again, they put it in a pantheon, and they're no longer allowed to bring it up in discussions or reviews or anything like that. It's time for Eno to go in the pantheon, all right? I just got to let go, man. All right, I love you guys. Have
4: a good one.